We've been reading the last few weeks and we'll continue for a few more looking at Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10, discovering some ways that we can be our best. All of us as believers, we want to be the best that we can be for for Christ. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't want that. You you want to be your very best for the Lord, but sometimes we struggle it. How do you do that? Well, uh, Christ gives us some wonderful words of encouragement, uh, wisdom, and truth in these two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to find uh, within those chapters some ways that all of us can do our best. We're going to be looking this morning at Luke chapter 10, uh, focusing on verse 16, although we'll bounce around and look at some other verses as well here in Luke, the the 10th uh, chapter. Uh, Thank you for praying for Tom and Chuck. They're still out in Washington State this morning. They'll be coming back next week, I think on Tuesday. Uh, They've had a great week. God's doing some exciting things. I won't take time to tell you all the stories. They've got lots of stories to tell you as they get here of all the good things God's been doing uh, through their work there with Sarah and, and Jacob with Resonate Church there in Pullman, Washington. And so they wanted me to express to you this morning how much they appreciate your prayers and your support for them and uh, appreciate your prayers as they finish up their work and then come back on uh, Tuesday of this week. But we're thankful for the Lord has been using them. A friend of mine invited me to a one-day job. He said, oh, it's going to be great. They're going to pay us $5 an hour. I mean, it sounds about like very much, but when I was 14 years old, $5 an hour sounded like a lot of money. It was about twice what I could make anywhere else by the minimum wage at that particular time. So I said, great, yeah, I'm in. I kind of forgot to ask him what the job was going to be, which probably would have been a good idea. But I said, you know, $5 an hour, I'll do whatever they want me to do. So I got in the car with his mom, and she drove us out to the job site. It was a Sunday school teacher at our church who was building a house. And I don't know if this it was a barn or an old building or, or what it was. It was something that had been made out of concrete block, and it had been torn down, and there was a pile of concrete block on the property. And so we got out of the car, and I went over there, and so I asked him finally, well, what's the job? And he says, well, we've got to take all of that concrete block from that pile and put it in a pile over here. <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> that sounds exciting. And it was about as exciting as it sounded. We got there. It was a hot summer day. And, and we got to work picking up one piece of concrete block at a time and walk it over to the other pile and, and dropping it on the pile and, and, and just transferring this concrete block from one pile to another. That was the hardest $5 I ever earned in my life. Jesus has given us a job as believers. We have, in fact, a very specific task that he has called us to do, to take his message to the world. But sometimes that task feels a little like moving concrete blocks from one pile to the next. We, we, we try to share our faith. We invite somebody to church. We, we share our testimony. We share a passage of Scripture. And it just doesn't seem to do much. And, and we feel like, well, you know, did I just waste my time? And Is this not what God wanted me to do? And, and I don't seem to be very good at doing it. And finally, sometimes we just kind of step away and want to give up. Jesus was talking in Luke chapter 10 to 72 of his followers. We assume the 12 disciples were a part of this. But then there were others who had come to follow the Lord in in the time of which he'd been doing his ministry and sharing the kingdom of God and all the miracles that they'd seen. There were some people that were beginning to follow Christ. And now there were these 72 close followers of the Lord. And he's gathered them together. He gives them a very specific task that they're supposed to go out to do to share the good news of Christ. 
And as we look at the encouragement that he has for them on that day, we find some encouragement for us now. We have a job to do. And now is the time to do it. For one thing, it's a really good time to pray. Jesus has been teaching and training his disciples. He's been sending them out to share the the message of the kingdom of God. And now in Luke chapter 10, there are these 72 others who have gathered with them and he sends them out. Now, we, we think probably that number has tremendous significance. If you, if you go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 10 of the book of Genesis, you'll find 72 nations listed there. And it's likely that as Jesus has gathered these 72, it's symbolic of he's telling them, you're taking my message to the world. Now, now think about that for a minute. Uh, but if, if Jesus were to come right here this morning and tell us, okay, I need you to take our, my message to the world. Go out and do that. Well, well, we'd probably go, well, you know, that's going to be really hard to do, Lord. I mean, you know, I don't have a private jet that I can just jump all over the globe telling people there, there are, you know, billions of people out there. How am I supposed to get to all of them? You think you feel that way. Think how these 72 felt when Jesus gave them this task. And they're thinking, you know, they didn't have a private jet. They may not have even had a donkey. <laughs> they were going to have, yeah, you know, we can barely get around here in Jerusalem. How are we supposed to go out and, and do this? How are we supposed to take the, your message out to all the nations? So Jesus called them to pray. And he gave them a very specific prayer to pray. Here's the prayer that, that he gives them. It's in verse 2 of Luke chapter 10. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The task was enormous to take the message of Christ to the world. I'm sure these 72 followers of Jesus were were thinking, what did I get myself into? Kind of like what I felt that day when I was looking at that pile of concrete. (laughs) What in the world have I got myself into today? But Jesus had the answer. He said, you need to pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to call out the laborers. This was a task that could only be accomplished through the power of Christ. And then Jesus warned them in verse 3. First he says, go. He says, okay, I told you what to do. Go do it. But wait a minute. One more thing. He says, go I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. This wasn't going to be easy. They were going to face opposition. They were going to face persecution. They were even going to face death. But the task was too important. So he tells them not to waste time. He says, go there at first of verse 3. And then again in verse 4 he says, Here's the instructions. You need to go out and do this. And then he tells them another word of encouragement. He says, as you go, look for the people of peace. Those who would be instrumental in sharing the gospel message in the community. And he has an extensive description of who those people would be in verses 5 through 12. There's an important truth here. 
First of all, as, as we seek to share the word of Christ with our friends, with our community, with our co-workers, whoever it might be that we feel the Lord's called us to share with, as we do that, there are going to be days where it's going to feel like we're running into a brick wall. That it's just doing nothing. That we're inviting somebody to church and they never show up. We, we share our testimony to them and they just kind of say, well, that's nice for you. Not for me. And we think, well, this isn't getting anywhere. But don't dismay. Here's what Jesus told the 72. He said, you're going to get out there, you're going to be telling my word, and you're going to face the same things that I've faced. You're going to have some people who are going to spit on you. You're going to have some people who are going to dismiss you. You're going to have some people who even may try to persecute you, even may try to kill you. But... There are going to be some people who my spirit is at work in their heart. Look for those people. Look for those people of peace. And Jesus even tells the 72 how to find them. There are those people, they may not initially accept the gospel immediately, but they don't reject it. And they don't really stand in the way. And in fact, they they may be interested in learning some more, even in helping you to find others to tell. And the reason why is that God's Spirit is at work in their heart. They might not even be aware of it yet. But there's a problem. We won't find those people if we're not looking for them. God is working in ways that we don't always know. International missionaries Rebecca Herod and Christy Willis went to serve as uh, Mission Service Corps volunteers. If you ever have any inkling of going on the mission field for a while, Mission Service Corps is a great way to do that. Our International Mission Board and our North American Mission Board both have uh, ways that you can do this. You can go for a week, you can go for a month, you can go for two years. It's all kinds of ways that they work this out. But, but that's what these two, the, these two uh, women that just had recently graduated from college wanted to go on the mission field, and, and the Lord led them to be a part of the Mission Service Corps organization of the International Mission Board, and they went to, and I'm going to mispronounce this, it's the Octoclan Zapotec people. I'm sure that's not quite the way that's pronounced, but uh, uh, anyway, you can just pretend I said it right. <laughs> that's where the Lord uh, sent them, and they got there, and they began to, to share the gospel, and as they did, they met a man named Esteban Carrasco, and Esteban was a believer. He had been working in this community where Rebecca and Christy had gone, and he'd been trying to share his faith with, with some of his friends, and just nothing was working. He, nobody was, was receiving Christ. It wasn't going very well, and he was very discouraged. But, but now he had these two missionaries who had come to serve with him. And so he began to take them to people that he had been talking to and to places where he had gone to, to share the good news and, and, and began to, to work through them. And all of a sudden, they began to see God working in some amazing way. People praying to receive Christ. Folks wanting to know more about the Bible. They began to be able to form the beginnings of what would become a church. It was some amazing stuff. And here's what Rebecca and Christy said. They said, People have been telling us we've been waiting to hear about Jesus, but there was no one here to tell us. Now think about that for a minute. Here's a believer, Esteban. He's been there for several years sharing his faith with people that he knows. I mean, he's grown up in this area. He's sharing his faith. He's trying to tell people about Christ. And it seems like nobody's listening, like nobody's even interested. 
And then God brings these two missionaries to work with him. And he's encouraged by that. He begins to take them around and suddenly God just starts at work. But that didn't happen right then. We know what happened. Well, as Esteban was out there talking, he was planting those seeds of the gospel. And initially the folks weren't responding, but the Holy Spirit was beginning to work in their heart and they were beginning to to crave to want to know more about who this Jesus is. And then as these two missionaries, Rebecca and Christy, came, suddenly God brought it all together. And a great harvest began to be gathered. Another thing that Rebecca shared, uh, she, she said, she, I prayed for years. God, what do you want me to do? And she says, it's cool to see that all through college, I studied Spanish and didn't really know why. And, and in my summer breaks, a couple of times, I, I went down to Honduras for vacation. I didn't really know why. And she says, now I'm using Spanish For God's glory. Now, there's a couple of things for for us to learn from this. One, God's working, and we may not be aware of it. We may be the Esteban, and we're out there sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus, and nothing seems to be happening, and we're wondering, you know, I'm just moving concrete blocks, one pile to another. This is not doing anything. We may be... That person, or we may be the the Rebecca in this story, and and we're having some experiences in our life that we don't really understand. Maybe we have some training that uh, didn't really amount to much, and we haven't ever really been able to use it. Or or maybe we've gone through an experience in our life that we didn't really understand why we had to go through that experience. Maybe we had a medical issue in our own life or in the life of a loved one. Maybe we've had some other crisis in our life that we've had to deal with, and, and we ask God, God, why did you make me go through that? And then all of a sudden, God plants us in that field where he's already been preparing the soil. He's already been having those out planting the seed. And those experiences that we've gone through, suddenly they fit exactly with what the Lord has placed us and where he's called us to do and share his word. No matter who you are in the story, whether you're the Esteban out there and you just feel like you're moving concrete bricks, you're, you're sharing the gospel and nothing seems to be happening, or, or whether you're the Rebecca in this story and you're going through a lot of experiences and you're wondering, why is God causing this stuff to happen in my life? Why is he giving me this talent that I don't seem to be able to use for anything? What's this all about? Just pray to the Lord of the harvest. The fields are white. Pray that the Lord will gather those laborers that he's developed, that he has trained, that he has called out so that all of us can go out in the field and gather the harvest that is there. Within this, Jesus gives a word of warning, but also a word of encouragement to us who are believers. That the message we share is too important to keep quiet. After Jesus has called the 72 to go out and he's given them this word of warning. He then makes this statement that is extremely important for us to understand because Jesus says the same thing to you and me as he sends us out to share the good news. Here's what he says in verse 16. He says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The line that Jesus draws here is very important for us to understand. 
When we tell somebody about Jesus, when we share our testimony, when we uh, share a word of Scripture with them, when we invite them to church, whatever it is that we're doing to try to share Christ with them, when we do that, we're not just telling them a good story. We're not just selling a product. We're not just going through the motions to fulfill some duty that we feel obligated to complete. We are speaking on behalf of Jesus. Listening to the gospel message as you proclaim that to your friends and your neighbors, you are speaking on behalf of Christ. And that message is the only way that any of us can be made right with God. There is no other. And that's why Jesus tells his followers that to reject the message of the gospel that they would share was to reject the message of God. It's serious business. In another of my employment adventures as a youngster, I worked for a defense contractor in Austin, Texas. That sounds way cooler than it actually was. Basically, I made Xerox copies all day. I stood at the Xerox copier, and every day my boss would give me a stack of papers, and I'd stand there, and I'd copy them. And this was before the day of document feeders. One by one, I'd put them on the little Xerox copier and punch the button, and they'd run the copies. That's what I did all day long. And, and I, I had a, a boss, and I worked with a couple other people who they had their own copier that they sent the copier in it to. And, and our boss was right down the hallway from us, and he was the one that told us what needed to be copied. You know, every, every morning he would bring in a stack of pages. You go copy these, you go copy these, you go copy these. And so we, you know, we knew that he was important enough that I needed to do the job right because he was telling me what I needed to do, and I wanted to know what I needed to do. So I'd take my stack of papers and I'd go copy them. Now, down the hall from him, there was another set of offices that on their doors, they had the names of the guys that signed the stuff that I was copying. Down at the bottom of the page, it would have their name and they would have their signature on. So I thought, well, these guys must be pretty important because they're signing all this stuff. They they must be pretty important guys. So I I knew that, that they must be really important. But down the hall from them, there was another office with another name that was at the top of all the pages that I was copying. He was the CEO of this particular company. And I didn't know what CEO meant, but I knew if his name's at the top of the page, he must be really important. Plus, he knew my mom and dad, and I knew that if I didn't do a good job, he was going to tell them that I wasn't going to do a good job. So I sat there and I made my copies. <laughs> I, I did what I needed to do. Now, I have come to learn more about what that company actually did. When I was working there, I really didn't know what they did. All I knew was I was copying page, pages. But they were a defense contractor that part of what they uh, made were parts that went into F-15s. And so I came to understand that although I was a very small cog on a very small wheel in a very large machine, what I was doing was actually pretty significant. As I was copying those pages... I actually was doing my little, very small part of keeping our nation safe. 
When we share our faith, when we tell people about Christ, when, when we come to church and take part in a ministry like our Stepping Out ministry or one of the other ministries that we have with, through our WMU or through our Sunday school classes or whatever it is that we may, may do, sometimes we may feel like, you know, I'm not really doing much. I'm not really accomplishing all that much. It doesn't feel like. Some days it may feel like kind of you're moving the concrete from one pile to another pile. <laughs> you know, okay, I, I did what they told me to do. And I got something out of it. I got my $5 an hour. But this doesn't really seem to have done very much. Look whose name is on the top of the page. When you serve in the name of Jesus, you are serving as the representative of Christ. That's a pretty incredible thing. When you invite someone to church, when you tell them your testimony, when you share a passage of Scripture with them, you're not just speaking your words. You are speaking on behalf of the Creator of the universe. And when you share the Gospel, you're not just telling a good story. You are providing the only way that anyone can be made right with their Creator. Folks, what we do is important. What we do is significant. What we do as believers is the work of the Kingdom of God. Sharing Christ can be daunting. It can be scary. We can feel like we're inadequate. And a whole lot more. But don't forget what you're doing. Remember what Jesus said in verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Oh, that we would pray together. For the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Because indeed the fields are white unto harvest. Heavenly Father, help us to understand this morning the significance of what it is that we do as believers. That we're not just here going through the motions. But as we share our faith, as we tell someone a verse of your scripture, as we describe to someone something that you've done for us, we are speaking on your behalf. God, thank you for that incredible privilege. And help us never forget how significant it is what we do in the name of Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God is doing in your life this morning. Now, right now, we're not able to do the come to the front invitations like we normally would, but we do want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe this morning you've been listening and you knew the name of Jesus and, you know, you said, well, yeah, I believe in God. But, but all of a sudden you've like, wait a minute, whoa, there's a lot more to this. And I need to know what it is. And we want to share with you 
how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, you may not understand what all that means, but we'll help you. It's amazing how simple God has made it. All we have to do is admit our need, that, that we need what only Jesus Christ can do for us. And to believe that He's the only one that can do it. He died on the cross for our sin, that He rose again, that He's alive right now. And then to confess Him as our Lord and Savior. Say, Jesus, I, I know You are the Lord and Savior, but now I need You as my Lord and Savior. And we'll help you understand that. All you need to do is there's some cards right there in the Purex before you. Take one of those, put, fill it out with your contact information. We'll get in touch with you next week and share with you from God's Word how you can know the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. Those of you watching us online, all you need to do is email us here at the church, NHBC, the initials of our name of our church, National Heights Baptist Church, NHBC at nationalheights.org. We'll be glad to send that information to you. Maybe there's some other decision that God's laid on your heart. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We would be excited to share with you all the good things God is doing here at National Heights for you and your family. Again, just give us your contact information on the card or through the email. Maybe God's working in your heart in a, in a different way. Maybe you've got a friend or a neighbor that needs to know the Lord. You, you, you've seen how white the fields are under harvest. You, you recognize, boy, there's a real need there, but... You've just been running into that brick wall. And you may just need to pray, Lord, help me remember how important this is. This is a significant task that you have given me. You've given me the responsibility to share the gospel with this friend of mine. And the only way that they're going to know you, the only way they're going to heaven, the only way that they're going to be forgiven of their sin, the only way that they can have everlasting life is if they know about Jesus. So God, help me do that. Lord, send some laborers. Come help me. Because this is too important to let my friend go into eternity without Jesus. Maybe today your prayer would be, Lord, send some laborers into the harvest. Whatever it might be, however God is leading you this morning, you respond to His call in your life today as we sing together.